This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. One of the side effects of the online order craze is some physical stores are becoming messier. We welcome Jennifer Waters, senior reporter at CoStar Group here in Chicago. Jennifer, tell us about the messes in some of these shops. Well, hello, Cisco. Yes, you, it has totally been a mess at many of these stores. Not all of them, of course, but at a lot of them. And, and really what it's boiled down to is that as retailers have stepped up their e-commerce game, they've really lost footing in their stores. And they just have really let their stores go because they're putting all their their focus, whether it's financial or mind, on e-commerce, and that's really hurting the 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 stores. And it's a big problem right now because consumers are once again heading out to stores. They've got money, and their impression of a retailer tends to be more visceral. It's it's you know you you go into the store. It's the optics of the store itself rather than the website. So some of these messes are are really going to make a mess. <laughs> So we're talking about stores that for, oh, I don't know, almost a year now, basically a year, have pretty much been used as warehouses instead of actual showrooms because so many people have just not been going to bricks and mortar. Yeah, that's right. And um, and you've seen in so many stores where you walk in and the first thing you see is where the pickup or drop-off is for um, whatever you're, you know, if you're bought online. So that kind of, that in itself is like, it, that's a little jarring because you expect to go into a store and see what you saw before, you know, the pandemic. And it was usually a nice store. It's a relaxing experience. You, you're going there to shop to buy something. And if you go in and you see the mess, and this is one of the things that I see a lot. If you, I see these messes and it, it makes me think that if they allow their store to look like a tornado just went through it, what can I expect for delivery? You know, will I get the right item? Will it be beat up, even destroyed? What if I have to return it? Will I get good service? I mean, all of those things play on your mind. And then the other part of it is that we're, you know, we're in this world where everyone is thinking about cleanliness and orderliness. And if you walk into a store that's a mess and potentially dirty, you know, your your thoughts are like, well, how how sand, you know. How safe is this? Yeah, and let's talk about what what they look like. I mean, is it is it dirty where they're just not taking care of the floors and that sort of thing, or is it product all over the place? I mean, what what are some of these stores looking like? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, in some stores, and and you know, we're talking mainly about the larger big box, some of the discount stores, but but even some of the um, apparel stores. I don't want to necessarily name names, but um, you're talking about these stores, and it's like in some of them. You see a lot of empty shelves because, you know, as as you well know, as we were just talking about, there's shipping delays everywhere. So you see, so you see not enough inventory on the shelves, and then people just kind of picking up things and dropping them, and there's not enough people in the store to clean the stores up. So, so you're seeing some of that. I mean, 
even if the store has been vacuumed, but you've got a bunch of, you know, shoes laying on the ground or purses, you know, in a flux or, you know, shirts all over the place, you do tend to think, you know, what's underneath that. So you're not always, you know, when you see a mess like that, you tend to think everything is dirty, not just what you're looking at it. It's like walking into your kid's bedroom. You know, you see the clothes and you're like, oh, no, what's underneath that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no no one ever really wants to find out. Thank you. That's Jennifer Waters, senior reporter at CoStar Group here in Chicago. A lot of stores having to clean up as they get ready for people to come back inside. Up next, Taco Bell is getting ready to open its first all-app location. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Taco Bell will open its first app-only restaurant in the U.S. tomorrow. It'll be in New York's Times Square. Joining us to talk about it on the McGrath-Lexus business line, R.J. Hadavi, an analyst at Aaron Allen Capital Partners here in Chicago. R.J., kind of give us some details here. What's Taco Bell doing? Uh, yeah, thanks, Cisco. It's uh, following the footsteps of a lot of other restaurants uh, that we've seen coming out of the pandemic and opening up a mobile-only store, uh, meaning that you can only place your order through either a mobile device or through one of the kiosks in their stores. We've seen a few of the other restaurant chains, uh, Starbucks, Chipotle, and even local company Wowbow, uh, have all tried this format. And I think what a lot of restaurants are realizing is that the old format that they used pre-pandemic, uh, where you, you typically ordered at the counter, uh, may not work in a post-pandemic environment, or at least you need to have some, an alternative like this. And when it comes to, I mean, you, you basically have to use the app, right? So, I mean, when it comes to this, what if someone walks in and they have cash? They're going to be told, sorry, you have to download the app? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to be the case, and I think this is one way for more of the restaurant companies to get users to, to embrace their app, uh, which opens up a lot of new opportunities, uh, you know, in addition to ordering, but also direct marketing opportunities as well. But I think that, you know, as a lot of consumers became accustomed to mobile ordering and uh, delivery options during the pandemic, uh, I think this will be a natural fit. So I, I think this is something that we're already seeing a lot of consumers buy into. So it was a natural evolution to make this next step uh, to a mobile-only format. They must have run the numbers and figured out that whatever they would lose from you know from having someone walk away because they don't want to download the app, whatever they lose from that, they gain by getting loyal users. Yeah, I think that's part of the equation. I also think that you know, looking at the the whole the, the whole base, the restaurant base, they're also going to continue to have these uh, the traditional formats too. I think this is kind of more complementary to what they have existing out there. Uh, and really what we've seen is, you know, you really need to be able to satisfy convenience more than anything else. And those are the ones, those customers that want the, you know, the, the absolute most convenient uh, mobile ordering, I think are going to embrace that. But I think you'll still have options in other uh, other locations. And so, I mean, as a consumer, you're going to figure out which locations are, are, are best for you, which ones you can order full service from, or which ones you're going to have. So I don't think you're going to see a complete replacement of mobile order uh, only locations. I think this will be complicated to what they have existing. Mobile order only. It's got to just be so much more efficient and profitable for the restaurant. It really is. And I think that's, at the end of the day, the motivation for these companies is that uh, you typically have a smaller footprint. It typically requires less labor uh, than, than you would see at a traditional restaurant. So I think this is a, a situation a lot of restaurants are going to embrace, uh, you know, 
we've obviously seen a few like Taco Bell, Chipotle, Starbucks do it. But I think more and more companies, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see most of the quick service restaurant chains out there, at least embrace in some format over the next couple of years. Thanks so much, RJ Hanavi, an analyst at Aaron Allen Capital Partners. Taco Bell moving to an app-only restaurant. Still ahead, Travel Tuesday, investing in luxury properties where you can still take a vacation. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Government doctors call for a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. A special report from CBS News is next. It's Travel Tuesday, using an investment fund to get a piece of luxury properties, and then you can actually use them as a vacation destination. There's word of warning for first-time investors whose experience only includes a bull market. WBBM Business, the Dow down 165 points. The Nasdaq is up 95 and the S&P is up four points. Oil is up right about 1%. We have sunshine in Chicagoland that'll be here all afternoon long. High of 57 degrees. Right now it's 50 degrees. CBS News special report. A pause in the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccinations. Acting FDA Commissioner Dr. Janet Woodcock. Out of an abundance of caution, we're recommending a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine due to reports of six cases of a rare and severe type of blood clot. Several states are in the middle of stopping the J&J vaccines right now. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. Our team here switched over with the help of Walgreens to the Pfizer vaccination. And so individuals will receive the Pfizer and then when they leave here, they'll have an appointment to come back in three weeks and get the second dose. Jeff Zients, President Biden's COVID-19 response coordinator, says a huge surplus in the supply of the other two vaccines means the U.S. could easily take up the slack. We believe there's enough vaccine in the system, Moderna and Pfizer, for all Americans who want to get vaccinated by May 31st to do so. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. It's 1232. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed. The Dow down 163 points. The NASDAQ is up 94, and the S&P is up 4 points. So let's see what's going on. Jim Welsh is here, macro strategist and portfolio manager. You can find him online at macrotides.com. Jim, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, I think it's somewhat constructive. Obviously, the J&J news is not a positive, but I think we're easily going to get past it, which is why I think the market's uh, holding up. My expectation for months was that the S&P would get above 44,000. We've done it. I think we're approaching a near-term high with the S&P up around 4150-ish. So I think in the next handful of days, look for a short-term high and then a pullback in the market, and then uh, I think we'll see a subsequent high as we get into the summer. Given the fact that, as we just heard in a, a report here from CBS News, there's plenty of Moderna and Pfizer vaccine. So given that, does that maybe ease the blow of a pause in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? There's plenty of others. Yep, ab absolutely. I mean, you look at the totals, I think uh, Cisco combined uh, Pfizer and Moderna 
have issued about 175 uh, vaccination, million vaccinations. Divide that by two, so you're 80 million plus to about 6.8 million for Johnson & Johnson. So that puts it in perspective. Um, so, yeah, I really think this is something we're going to move past. My guess is within a short period of time, as they get uh, protocols out in terms of treatment and awareness regarding J&J's vaccine, that they'll reinstitute vaccinations with J&J, maybe with some guidelines and restrictions. But I, I really don't think it's a, a big deal. Does this in any way uh, make people think twice about some of those reopening stocks that, that have been pretty attractive as things start going again? Yeah, I mean, I think you saw a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to that this morning, uh, Cisco. But I think, you know, when you start thinking about it, you evaluate it. Uh, you know, the, the main thing is that there's an awful lot of government spending. Uh, people have built up a lot of savings and the vaccination process is going to continue at warp speed. And by probably by July, we're going to be at 75 to 80 percent uh, vaccinated. Then it's just going to be how do we convince those 20 percent or so hardcore people who just are either afraid or don't want to get the vaccine. So I think, you know, everything is going to continue to proceed, which is why I think after any dip, we're likely to see the S&P move to another new all-time high as we get into the June-July time period. Speaking generally, tech stocks, are, are you thinking that they're fair priced? Or are they maybe a little hot? I mean, we have the NASDAQ up again today. Yeah, my expectation was that we were going to see the NASDAQ 100, which is uh, the QQQ ETF, move to a new all-time high, which they have. Um, but what's happening underneath the surface is the NASDAQ advanced decline line peaked back in early February, and that's usually an early warning sign. So I think one of the keys, if I'm right about a pullback coming in the next uh, handful of weeks, um, you know, how they perform will tell us a lot in terms of, you know, additional expectations. So I, I think the, the biggest risk here is that people are going to start to focus, Cisco, on the Fed. And as we get closer to herd immunity in this uh, vaccination process, the Fed is going to begin to communicate probably sometime this summer about scaling back their monthly purchases of uh, treasury bonds uh, and mortgage-backed securities. So that tapering concept, they're going to start talking about it, I think, sometime this summer. And I think the market's going to react negatively to that talk. So that, I think, is going to be proved to be a bigger hurdle for the market uh, than what's happening with any individual sector. Are we seeing, and maybe it's too early to tell, uh, are we seeing money from the second big stimulus, that, that, that money's moving into the market? Because I know the early round stimulus payments, yep. a lot of that money just went into investing. It did. And one of the things that was a good barometer was the, the volume of call options. In other words, uh, people buying call options, you know, they don't have a huge pool of money. They were leveraging it by buying call options. The 10-day the, uh, average of call volume going back like four or five years was about 10 million contracts. We got up to over 30 million for weeks uh, in February. That has scaled back significantly. It's down under 20 million. So I think a lot of those folks got burnt out and have maybe gone a different direction. So is some of the money going in? Absolutely. I think if it's going in, it's probably going in in a more conservative manner. Really good insight. Thank you. That is Jim Welsh, a macro strategist and portfolio manager. You can find him online at macrotides.com. Just ahead, Travel Tuesday, combining investing and vacationing. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. Today we're learning about a business that allows people to invest in luxury properties and also have access to them for vacations. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Greg Sally, founder and managing director of Equity Residences. Greg, it's great to have you on the show. So kind of give us a thumbnail sketch here of, of what, what goes on here. Hi, Cisco. Uh, yes, we have a luxury real estate investment fund where we're uh, raising $50 million to buy a portfolio of 20 homes all in different locations around the world. And investors have the ability to use the homes rent-free. Um, in about a decade, we sell the homes and we return everyone's original investment plus the, the profits from the homes. So the idea here is over that 10-year period, you I mean, it, it's not an investment like in the stock market where you, you sort of set it and it's just sitting over there. This, you actually get to enjoy the investment. Absolutely. You're going to some of the most beautiful places in the world, you know, Turks and Caicos, Lake Tahoe, Hawaii, uh, all over the place. How do you juggle who gets to go when? I, I'd imagine you might end up with some overlap and, and that, that could be a little thorny. You know, uh, we use a very personalized approach. We try to understand what's important to someone. They want to go to the Caribbean a certain week. They want to go skiing sometime in February in Park City, Utah. And we're able to put the schedule together like a puzzle. We also have two affiliates that give us access to thousands of homes around the world. So we have a conflict. We can usually just grab another home in the same location. We really have very little conflict in the end. When they're actually there, you know, someone, they, they, if they do this, they invest and they're a part of this. When they get to that home, wherever it is, the luxury residence, are they kind of on their own for the family vacation? Any sort of support while they're there? I'm, I'm guessing they, they'd kind of like a little help. Oh, absolutely. We have concierge services that include, you know, pre-stocking groceries is a popular one. Uh, we have private chefs that can come in and prepare meals and dinners. We've, we've already planned dream trips for each location of what to do while you're there that can be customized to each guest based on, on their preferences. So it's really designed to be a complete experience. So 10 years, that's how long you hang on to the investment before selling it and then distributing the profits. I mean, I assume you've talked about contingencies. If there's some kind of an issue with the market and it, it happens to go down, what happens then? Yeah, I mean, we, we have prime locations and we buy rights. So uh, we're already up significantly. But if, if we're in a down real estate cycle, the fund manager has discretion to extend the fund life up to two years to avoid selling in that down cycle and wait for the next up cycle. That's good. And then that would give people two more years access to that property. Exactly. So do you foresee people uh, sort of doing this in 10-year cycles, seeing how much they like it, how much they've used it, and then reinvesting after they get their profits? You know, a lot of our investors have already brought that up, that they want to actually potentially stay longer than the 10 years. And we're, we're launching a whole portfolio of funds. So we have two active funds now. There'll be more in the future. And folks will have the ability to even invest in multiple funds at the same time, which several of our investors have already done. As you talk to the investors, do you get new ideas for, for maybe new locations where you might want to find properties? Oh, absolutely. We survey our investors. We find out their preferences, and that factors in to where we evaluate new locations and find the right investment opportunities. Tell us again, uh, give us kind of an idea again of some of the locations. Oh, we've got uh, the Caribbean, so Turks and Caicos, St. John, Bahamas. We have Florida. We have Hawaii. We have mountain homes in, in Vail and Park City and Tahoe. We have uh, Italy uh, in Tuscany. 
um, we have homes really all over the world. Well, good in, uh, really, really good information, and it sounds like a lot of people are going to be enjoying this. That's Greg Sally, founder and managing director of Equity Residences. That's Travel Tuesday. This time tomorrow, Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come, understanding the you-only-live-once investor. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The younger, so-called YOLO investor, you only live once, has never seen a bear market. Should they be concerned? Let's talk about what it means with Mark Hulbert, investment columnist at the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Uh, so, Mark, you do have a whole crop of investors that have never really seen a downturn. Well, that's right. I, uh, I based the column on this subject uh, on a survey that Schwab did uh, last week, I think it was. But basically, they looked at uh, when investors started investing, when they got in the market, and then what their attitudes were towards the bull market and whether the market will be up later this year and whether they plan to put more money in the market and so forth. And they found that people who went into the market last year or earlier this year are far more bullish than, uh, than those who have lived through not just the bear market that happened in February, March of last year, but probably prior ones as well. And that, I, I submit, is, is typical of what happens in the latter stages of a bull market. That's when the experienced, the, let's say, older and wiser investors have already started to take some money off the table. And that le- leaves the, uh, the younger investors, those who have not ever had to deal with the punishing losses of a bear market, they're the ones propelling the market higher. But that's not a sustainable uh, long-term model. So it sounds like there's also some advice to longer-term investors in there because they're seeing some of these prices and saying some of these are just not justified. Well, that's right. And it, it's so interesting. I mean, I guess you could say the sub, subtitle of this is Experience is the Great Teacher. And in fact, I remember one of my mentors years ago who was saying, not just to me, but to all young investors, they said, in fact, the best thing that could happen is for a bear market to happen early in your career. And the reason is that then you, you, you know what downside risk looks like. But it's really a problem if you build up too much wealth without a bear market, such that when that inevitable decline does occur, they lose a heck of a lot more money. So we want everyone realizes experience is this great teacher. We just want it sooner rather than later if we want to build up long term wealth. So what should those newer investors do? I mean, as as people who love the markets, we don't want them to get discouraged and end up getting out of the market when they do deal with the first downturn. Well, that's right, though I'm afraid that's just inevitably what it's going to be. The typical reaction of somebody who's never gone through a, a bear market is that when their stock or group of stocks start going down, they think, oh, this is just the pause that refreshes, and they put more money in the market, and then it goes down a little bit more, and then they put more money again and more money again, and then eventually their losses get intolerable, and that's when they throw in the towel, and that's a point at which they've lost a heck of a lot more money. So the advice might be uh, not to necessarily believe that the markets always go up because they just don't. Yeah, just plan for it, for sure. Thanks so much. Good advice for young investors. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.